Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can improve your grammar and learn to really master English vocabulary. I'm Tim Sexton, a polyglot English teacher, writer, and world traveler from the U.S. I'm also the author of Words for the Test, where you can learn hundreds of words and expressions for talking about data for business or for IELTS Task 1 academic writing. You can find Words for Numbers at patreon.com slash wordsfornumbers. This week, I'm going to do something uh, a little bit different. No, it's going to be very different. Um, I've talked about very serious stuff, you know, grammar things and uh, vocabulary and how to learn it and things that are happening inside of your brain and mechanisms and blah, blah, blah. Um, this week, I'm going to do something else because um, I want to and I'm tired. And I think you'll be entertained. I hope you will be. So, first thing is um, that um, I'll report something from my life which is that for my birthday, um, which was at the end of April, um, I got some money and I chose to spend it on something called Wondrium. Wondrium is a website, streaming uh, website, where you can watch uh, video lectures by university professors. These aren't exactly university courses, um, but this website started off, um, you know, maybe 25 years ago, um, as something rather different because, you know, the internet wasn't as uh, big a part of our lives as, as it is now. And at the time you would buy, um, you know, these DVD lectures and, um, a book that came with the lectures, um, and you'd sit down and you'd watch them. Um, and that content, well, it was about all kinds of topics. There was history, there was religion, there was philosophy, um, cooking, travel, um, you name it. It was, it was all there. Um, and so some years ago, maybe three or four years ago, they transferred, um, most or all of that material to Wondrium. And, uh, before, you know, you would have to spend about 250 bucks or so in strong 1999 dollars, um, to get a, a lecture set. And now it's like to sign up, it's like 166 bucks for two years. Um, I know this sounds like an advertisement. It's totally not, um, so anyway, I subscribed and I started watching some um, different lectures. Uh, in the beginning, I tried to watch about one lecture per day, and they're typically about 25 or 30 minutes, and I chose to watch um, one on language histories of the world, which was really interesting. And it wasn't too hard to watch because I knew some of the material. Some of it was unfamiliar, um, you know, language families in the, the Pacific um, Pacific Islands, I I'm lost, you know, it's talking about relationships between these different language families, subfamilies, and it was kind of confusing at times, um, but that's, you know, natural when you um, go into new material. Um, so after that finished, I um, was kind of torn. When you're torn, it means that, you know, you can't, uh, you have difficulty deciding between um, two or more options because you have strong feelings about each of them. Um, I was torn between several options, and the one that I chose was a history of India, and um, so it starts off in prehistoric India and talks about the first people who moved to India who um, got there apparently about 30,000 years ago, um, and they were, uh, they came apparently, you know, almost directly from Africa. Of course, they had, you know, had to go over land um, quite a ways, but they made their way to India, and uh, they have 
supposedly a lot of genetic similarities to people from Africa. And if you see these people who live mainly in the north of India, they um, some of them look very African, others others less so. You know, they've been there for a long time, and other people, um, other waves of people came in and, and they mixed um, to varying degrees. Um, so, you know, you don't have the, the same appearance they originally had. Anyway, um, what I'm getting at is... Um, that later some people um, invaded India from the northwest um, through the from the steppes into the northwest of India, what's now Pakistan actually, and um, from there the lecturer started talking about the Rig Veda, and the Rig Veda is the earliest Hindu um, holy text. And I just got curious, you know, this is a book that you know people have heard of, and I have never really um, seen it. So I went and I found it online and read just the first first chapter of it, which is, you know, about a page long, out of curiosity. And it was interesting. There was a god in the text called Agni. And I thought, Agni, hmm, that's an interesting name for a god. And I checked, and it's actually the name for um, the fire god. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, that's really interesting because it's similar to um, Russian, Agoin, and also to the Russian name, actually not originally Russian, it's more of a Latin name, Ignat, um, which in English is Ignatius. This is one of those nature names, you know, like stone or wind or fire or whatever. Um, so, you know, Ignatius. Um, also in English we have Ignite, which means to set something on fire, to cause something to start burning. Um, now, you might say, why ignite versus set on fire? Ignite just sounds more technical. Um, and also, we have igneous rock. Igneous rock, that's a term from geology. And um, igneous rock is rock that was produced by volcanoes, you know, with, with fire. Um, also, this made me think, this, um, you know, kind of group of words made me think of Spanish fuego, which is not too similar to ignite. Um, but if you take off the F and you turn it into a silent H, which is what often happens actually in Spanish, F's and H's um, change into each other. For example, you get last names like um, Fernandez and Hernandez, you know, same last name, F to H, H to F. So if you take Fuego and you take off the F, you get uh, Wego, which is not so different from Aguin. Um What else was there in there? Also, one other... <clears throat> interesting thing was that apparently a person, um, last name in India for a person who has memorized, uh, four Vedic collections is called a Chaturvedi. Um, and obviously if you speak a, um, Slavic language, you know that Chatiri in Russian is four and, uh, Chtiri in Polish is, is four also. So it was, it was surprising to see, um, these uh, closer similarities between Russian and um, languages spoken that are in India. I know that they're part of the same uh, big family, but uh, nonetheless, I didn't expect to see things that similar. Another one that was in there that was similar was Nagasa, which is snake. Um, so you might say Nagasa, snake, um, in Russian, uh, Zmia, not so similar to each other. But if you change things just a little bit, take Nagasa and you take the G, 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 and you turn it into a K, um, because the G and K are the same. One uses uh, your the vibrations of your vocal cords, the other one does not. Um, so it's just one step away from Nagasa to Naka, Nakasa. Um, 
Also, the letter S has a tendency to appear in words and to disappear in words. This is true across languages, um, except for probably languages that don't have the letter S. Um, but in French, for example, um, you know, the word for state is état. Um, and there are a lot of other words. I, they, none come to mind immediately, um, but where the words differ um, between English and French or English and another language just by the presence or absence of an S. Um, so you have uh, Nagasa, which again we transformed into Nakasa with a K, and then you just put an S on the beginning, Snakasa. So you're getting a lot closer to snake. Um, also, it's kind of similar to Russian's Mia a little bit. Um, the M and the N um, are close to each other, and the Z and the S, of course. So do two changes, and you go from Zmea to Sneya, also not far from, from Snake. Um, okay, that's enough. That's my little detour into um, North India and, uh, and back. Um, I wanted to tell you also about an incident from uh, my life um, earlier this year. Um, I was in the basement of a school alone at night, and there were um, iron pipes that were coming from the ceiling into the floor and from the floor into the ceiling at many different strange angles. It was a very strange place. The floor of the place was very rough, and it was dark in there, and there was also a room that was kind of sticking out from the wall, also made of a very crude poured concrete, and there was a window um, with prison bars on it, and I walked towards the window, and as I was walking, I realized that I had no shoes on, because the floor was very rough, and I felt a, a very evil presence inside of this room, um, and I didn't know what to do, except that I wanted to warn everyone, which was a strange thing to want, because no one was there, except for me, and this presence, if indeed anything was there. So I ran up towards the window and felt this evil presence inside the room, and as I got closer, the scream grew inside of me, and as I got close to the window, I grabbed onto the bars with both hands, and the scream just went back in, into my body, into my heart, and into my blood, and spread, and, and I looked inside the window and saw that there was um, a devil made out of an orange flame that was itself made out of orange sherbet ice cream, and he was sitting at a desk and just calmly writing on paper with a fountain pen. Writing, taking the paper, putting it off to the right-hand side. And behind him there was a, um, there was a bookshelf full of um, several books. And uh, this was the point when I woke up. Um, and I uh, was quite cold. You know, it gave me the chills thinking about this. It made me quite afraid. Um, I often have nightmares, but I usually enjoy them, actually. Um, if I describe to you just the, the content of what happened in the nightmare, you would say, that sounds pretty bad, Tim. Um, but in reality, I wake up and feel really relaxed and generally write them down. Um, that's more or less what I did in this case. Um, and I thought about this. I've thought about the ice cream devil many times since then, and the ice cream devil, well... I think his power and what made him so terrifying was simply his ability to silence anyone who would warn. He couldn't actually do anything, it seems, but just his ability to silence you and make you know that he exists, but make you unable to talk about him 
was quite frightening. Um, another thing that happened, well, I was talking um, with my uncle, um, who is a nurse, and he told me a story about what happened when he went uh, when he went to work um, one day several months ago. Um, he was working, and um, unexpectedly, a man ran into the hospital where my uncle was, and the man had blood all over his arms. And he said, come, come to the, the, the parking lot. It was an underground parking garage. Come to the parking lot. You've got to help me. Come on now. And my uncle was, you know, he's used to seeing things. He's, an, he's you know, a medical professional, but this was different. So he reluctantly followed this man down the steps into the parking garage, and there was blood all over the, 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 the floor. Um, and the guy was apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I made such a mess. And... Um, the man explained that while he was driving to the hospital, well, my uncle was obviously expecting a dead body. Um, while this guy was driving to the hospital, he um, had run into a deer and killed it. Um, and he was going to the hospital because his wife was going to give birth to their baby. And this man did not want to lose the meat. So he took the dead deer, brought it to the hospital, skinned it, removed the skin from it, in the parking garage, while his wife was threatening to give birth in the back of the car. So, I want to tell you another story. Um, in this case, um, it's about a workplace where I was um, many years ago. Um, there was a factory that I worked at, and factory is being kind of generous because the place didn't have a roof. Well, parts of it had a roof, but the place where most of the employees did most of their work um, did not have a roof. Um, storage areas had roofs. Um, and you know, it's, it's Ohio, Southwest Ohio, and it gets cold, not super cold, but, um, it was, you know, almost uh, seven, 16, 17 years ago. So it was colder back then. Let's be real. Um, and at times there was snow and it was not a nice place to work. Um, and I just wanted to tell you what was in the refrigerator at this place. The, the people who worked there were very, uh, blue collar, Blue collar means working class. A um, bunch of guys. I was um, the only one, I think, who had a college education, a full college education. Um, and there was a lot of anger. There was one particular guy who got really angry one time, and he, he shoved, he pushed a cylinder full of oxygen off of um, a platform. And this oxygen cylinder was about as tall as a person, and it had a little cylinder, another small cylinder on the top made out of a softer material, and it was about as thick around as a pencil, and this thing had maybe 28 atmospheres of pressure in it. And so when the thing fell, that second soft cylinder on the top broke off, and 28 atmospheres of, or, uh, 28 atmospheres of pressure, 28, uh, no, 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 sorry, what am I saying? Uh, it was 2,600 PSI. So 14, one, yeah, it was 280, something like 280 atmosphere, some outrageous amount of pressure inside. The valve, the cylinder on the top broke off, and it shot like a rocket across the parking lot. And I just ran. Um, and because I'd heard stories about this place, and people were, uh, the other workers were standing on the platform up there and yelling, look at Tim run like a rabbit, look at them run, look at the coward run. And when I came back, they said it, Actually, you did the right thing. We were making fun of you, but if you did exactly the right thing. Um, so that's just one piece of the blue-collar anger that was um, in evidence in this place. 
and no one ever took care of the refrigerator. And, you know, I would didn't want to store anything in there because I'd open it up and you'd have these bottles of, of sports drink and, and Sprite and Coca-Cola and uh, that had been in there for so long that there was mold growing on them. And you could see these kind of ghostly, like wet blobs of black mold with their fingers hanging down into the clear sports drink. It was absolutely revolting. Revolting means completely disgusting. And so I, I took all of these things out and I threw them in the trash. And, um, while I was doing this, um, there was a movie playing on the television and it was a copy of, of Alien. Um, you know, the 1979 horror, um, smash hit. And it was a copy of it starring Klaus Kinski. And I pointed that out. I said, guys, look, it's Klaus Kinski. And everybody just laughed at me because, you know, they didn't have any idea who he was. Um, and I cleaned out more mold, not just moldy, you know, bottles with mold inside of them, but mold from inside of the refrigerator. I should have worn a mask. I probably gave myself permanent brain brain damage from, from being around this stuff. But the worst thing was um, uh, these bags of bread. So there's a very common brand of bread in the United States. It's called Wonder Bread. And... It's anything but a wonder, actually. It's just really soft, fluffy, white bread with, you know, very little nutritional value. Um, you could take it and, you know, crumple it up in, into a little ball about as big as a, I don't know, maybe two centimeters around from one slice. And um, inside these bags of Wonder Bread, which had a kind of a blue and white checked pattern on them, um, the bread had completely turned to liquid, and there was just liquid mold and slime inside of the bag. And, you know, as the bag, I picked up the bag, I could feel the cold, uh, rotten liquid flowing back and forth in there. I almost threw up, and I hope <laughs> I hope I didn't make you guys sick listening. But, um, yeah, so I, I cleaned out the refrigerator at this place. Um, I have one more thing I want to tell you, which... Um, is um, about my trip across France. In 2006, I walked across France. I, maybe I told you about this or mentioned it. I walked from uh, Normandy, northwest France, to um, Toulouse in the southwest, to Marseille in the southeast. Almost, I should have gone to Italy. I should have gone that extra 10 or 12 days um, at a fast walking speed and gone to Italy. But I can say that I walked across France. Anyway, there was a particular point in my trip where I was walking, and um, I had not had the opportunity to wash my clothing in about, you know, four wash cycles, or, um, you know, four cycles of wearing it, rather. Um, and of course, the worst part of that is the socks. Um, now, I should have just been, you know, more, I don't know, I should have just taken the socks and everything and thrown them in a sink somewhere in, a, in some provincial bathroom in a, some park and, you know, washed them with hand soap. It would have been better than doing what I was doing, which was Oh, it was not good. Oh, it was extremely uncomfortable. And so I was walking um, towards the end of the day. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, around 4 o'clock, even if it's the sun's going to go down at 10, um, you are thinking in the back of your mind, oh, it's starting to get dark, and I've got to, you know, find a solution here. So and I was walking along this, this river, um, and it was quite flat, and I went um, under a bridge, and it was quite a big bridge. It was a highway bridge. Um, and underneath it, I could see, um, several, uh, like kind of a group of Roma 
um, who were uh, camped out under there, and they did not look friendly. In contrast to many of the Roma that I met while I was walking, um, in one case I got quite sick, and I looked terrible, and they actually gave me 50 euros in cash. Yes, the Roma gave me 50 euros in cash. So, um, as I was continuing, I walked along this road, and um, a car drove past. It was a black Clio, and inside was a a man in his probably mid to late 40s. He was wearing a um, a black silk dress shirt that was um, open at the chest, and he had a sunburnt chest, um, salt and pepper hair that was quite oily and curly um, on his chest and on his head, um, and aviator sunglasses. And he drove past at like a sub-bicycle speed. It was real slow, and he tracked me with his head, and I just thought, oh... Um, I got a little bit ahead of myself, though. As I was walking before this, I, I saw um, along the river these very tall bushes, um, and they were very neatly cut, very neatly trimmed, um, and there were cars parked behind them. And I could see the cars, at times I could see the edge of the car, and the car would be shaking a little bit, it seemed to me. And I didn't understand what was happening. Then that guy drove past, and I it, was, it all became clear. <laughs> and so... Um, it reminded me of a place in my hometown. It's called Burnett Woods. Burnett Woods is um, a place where gay guys meet and do whatever they want to do. And if you don't want to be around that, then you just don't go there. And so as this guy drove past, I thought, my God, that's it's like Burnett Woods. You know, I've got to walk past this park as quickly as possible. I got to the end of the park. Um, that guy left, and there was a, a nice tree um, kind of small with some sand under it on the left-hand side of the road. On the right-hand side, there was a big triangular-shaped um, large garden or small farm with a, an older man tending the vegetables there. And I crossed the street and talked to him, and I said, Do you know, is it okay if, I'm, if I um, put my tent up here? And he said, sure, no problem. And I asked him, is it you know, going to be a problem with those guys? Do you think those guys will try to bother me? And he said, no, nah, they'll just do whatever they want. They'll leave you alone. Don't worry. And I thought, okay, this is good. Um, soon after the guy came up in the black Clio and he parked his car and came up and started speaking English to me. I speak some French. Um, and so I was surprised and I said, well, you know, why, why do you, why are you speaking English to me? And he said, well, you know, you just, I can just tell you're from the United States. Maybe I have a look about me or the clothing, who knows? Um, but he was very friendly. Um, and he immediately asked me, um, you know, uh, you know, where I'd come from and what I was doing. And, and, um, I told him, you know, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. And he said, Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh my God. I love Cincinnati, Ohio. Do you know Burnett Woods? And I thought, oh my God. And I said, you know, I've heard of it, but I've never been, I've never been there. Only heard of it. <laughs> and, um, he said, do you want to sleep in my mom's house? And before I could say no, he picked up his phone and called his mother, and his mother was arguing with, no, I don't want to do it. And he, he said, Mom, this is not some prince I'm trying to bring home and make love to. Don't you understand? This is this is a boy from Cincinnati, Ohio. This is the chance of a lifetime. Don't you understand? And and she said, she just, no, say no, no, say no, say tu. And, she, and he hung up the phone, and right after he hung up the phone, he said, that bitch. And I was rather shocked at the whole, whole thing. And he said, you know, um, Tim, I've got my own apartment. You can sleep there. I've got a washing machine. I was thinking about my, my absolutely disgusting clothing. Um, and I lived on the top, I live on the top floor. Um, and you know, um, nobody bothers me up there. I like to live on the top floor in places. And I thought this is not 
probably doesn't want to do anything bad. He seemed like he was okay, but come on, what was he doing in this place? And it, it was it was a little bit sketchy. Sketchy means uncertain or dangerous. Dangerous. Um, so I um, told him, let's meet for breakfast tomorrow. I didn't want to hurt the guy's feelings, and I also didn't want to risk my own safety. Um, so he said, okay, we'll do that. And um, the next morning I met him for breakfast, and... Um, we met a couple other colorful characters, which who I don't have time to talk about this time. Um, and he gave me um, about 10 euros in cash. He bought my breakfast for me. He gave me a phone card. Um, that is all for today. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, this change of pace from what I usually talk about. Um, I hope to hear you next time, uh, or that you will hear me next time, and I hope to uh, read um, your reactions in the comments. Thanks for listening, and see you next Monday.